for me and probably everybody listening to the show and probably for yourself, Mm -hmm. there has probably been a point in your life, my life, our lives where we have decided, you know, I'm going to start this habit (laughs) and we make it three damn days and then we don't want to do it anymore. So do you have any, any words of wisdom or words of encouragement or strategies or tools or something that can help folks, you know, because we, we all start out these, these journeys with the best of intentions, but yeah. those darn little habits, those darn little <laughs> habits will get us every time. So offer, please offer your wisdom on how we can make habits stick. Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, Sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lynch, with a very special guest, Linda Bonner, here to share secrets for living. Good good news, there's only three of them, so stay tuned, edge of your seat. Linda, thanks for being here today. I'm so happy to be having a chat with you. Oh my gosh, Brittany, thank you so much for having me. And you know who I'm laughing already, don't you? You know exactly why. Because there's more than three. Spoiler alert. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Before we get into the good stuff, Linda, why don't you go ahead and let us know who are you? Where do you live? What do you love to do? What makes you tick? Oh gosh, there's a question, right? How long do we have for that one, Brittany? (laughs) Oh, we'll be here all day. So hi everybody, my name is Linda Bonner. I am a life coach. I'm based in Brooklyn, originally from Ireland. I'm a long way from home. I'm kind of via by the way of the the Middle East as well. And I work with I work with mainly executives as a breakthrough imposter syndrome coach, but I also do a lot of work with young people as well because I was a history teacher for 15 years. Um, so that took me, that's what took me to the Middle East in the first place from Ireland. Um, I spent, yeah, I spent 14 years living there and then moved to New York. I'm here about three years now. Time is a bit of a blur, to be honest, Brittany, you know, people will say to me, oh, how long are you here? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, there's been a pandemic. So it's all kind of rolled into one, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. What's it been like moving to moving to Brooklyn you're in the Middle East you said in Dubai for 15 years yeah. so what was that what was that like just a quick <laughs> just a quick snippet I'm curious and it, was, it, it happened it happened really really in a really strange manner so when I qualified as a history teacher at home in Dublin I kept thinking I'll get a job really quickly it'll be fine and I didn't and then I was like what am I going to do and I was reading through the, the job adverts in the Sunday paper one day and I said to my dad oh, they want they want teachers in Saudi Arabia and he didn't even flinch Brittany he he just said to me you are not going to Saudi Arabia Linda I'm like dad and he said absolutely not and I said well it's like this if you don't let me go I'm gonna have to sponge off you and mum financially for I really don't know how long and he said I'll get your suitcases for you, love. And I said, great. So <laughs> before I knew it, 
I was on a plane to the Middle East, Brittany. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, it all happened so quickly. And, you know, next thing I've, I've arrived in Qatar, which wasn't actually Saudi Arabia, but a peninsula of Saudi Arabia. And I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? When I ended up staying there for five years, I met my husband there and we we moved to Dubai. We were both teachers. Steve is still a teacher and that's what, what brought us to New York. But it, it was just so far from anything that I had ever experienced. And one of the most interesting things about it was every year, like every Christmas, every summer, I'd go home to Ireland and I would get asked the same questions. Can you drive over there? Can you drink alcohol? Are you treated as a second class citizen? And I'm like, of course I'm not. I'm not treated like a second-class citizen at all, but you because I'm a woman, no. In fact, quite often it's it's the opposite. I've been treated really, really well, and I have such fond memories of of the Middle East as well. It just got to the stage where we've been there, we've been there so long. We wanted something different. We've always wanted to move to New York as well. I've always wanted to live here. Mm-hmm. But here I am. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? It's really a testament, though, to the stories that people have developed before they have any actual tangible concept of what that thing is yeah. really like. We have all these preconceived notions about places yes. and the way people would be treated and all of that. And we don't even yeah. realize that they're planted in our minds. But listen, even like, what, you know, with my dad, what my dad said to me straight away, part of that was he said, Linda, have you any idea what they do to women like you there? And I'm like, what does that even mean, dad? Women like me, like what, what do you actually mean? And he said, I, I'm not even going there. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is terrible. And when they came to visit, they saw completely, you know, they were like, gosh, this place is incredible. I'm like, yeah, but it's, I think, you know, Brittany, anywhere is only as good as you make it, right? It's like, that's all up to you. Mm-hmm. Every place has, it. every place and every person has their quirks. Of co- <laughs> oh, of course they do. Oh, yeah. I'm interested to hear more about, you said you're a breakthrough imposter syndrome coach. Yes. What in the world does that mean? Explain it to me like I'm a third grader. What is a breakthrough imposter syndrome coach? I love it. So if the imposter syndrome is all about that feeling of being a fraud, not having the confidence in ourselves, not feeling like we're good enough, like literally feeling like we're imposters in any area of our life. My job as a breakthrough imposter syndrome coach is to help people get through that, to break through that barrier so they can have the confidence that they want. And, you know, when I work with executives in this field, it's usually about taking a seat at the bigger table, regardless of who's already at that table, knowing that they deserve it, recognizing their own successes, recognizing that they've got to where they are because they are good at what they do, not because of luck or because they're a fraud or because, you know, somebody's given them some kind of a leg up or something so it's recognizing your own worth your own successes this uh, must be a pretty common this must be a pretty common experience that people have to think I'm a fraud I'm not good enough to be here I don't deserve this seat at the table yeah what in your experience what is kind of what is kind of behind that what causes people to believe like I'm a fraud I'm not good enough I don't belong here yeah so I think there's there's so many things. Sorry, I, like I know there are so many things from my work in this as well. And sometimes it starts when we're really young. So we often, you know, we we have these these limiting beliefs that we pick up at such a young age. So talk about being a third grader, right? Or explaining it to you like you're a third grader. At that stage, we're already putting two and two together and thinking 
gosh, am I good at this? Am I good at something like spelling? Am I good at math? Am I good at science? How do I know if I am? Do I have this measure? Like, do I have this compass or this internal ruler within myself? Or am I relying on other people's, other people's comments, other people's measurements of my success? So there's things like that, you know, and as we, as we get older then, as we move into adolescence, it's like, gosh, you know, are, are we picked for teams? Are we, are we good at sports? Are we musical? Are we, are we creative? Are we, are we good friends? What is it? And then, you know, as, as we get into the working world as well, and it's just so compounded, so compounded. I've worked with so many people who will say to me, and, and this is one of the most frequent things I hear, especially when it comes to interviews, right? Mm-hmm. So a client says to me recently, you know, Linda, I'm sitting there in the interview room. I, and I'm looking around, you know, I'm, I'm in the waiting room for the interview and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, my gosh, look at all these people and, and you know, that they're dressed so well. And they've, you know, they've obviously been to these top universities around the world. What am I doing here? And so that's really common, right? Education, educational background. Where are you from? What do you know? And it's like, but hang on a second. You're in the same room as them. So you've obviously done something or you've got something equally as good, if not better, to get to that stage. So there's, there's so many different things. It can be just be feelings. I feel like I don't belong here. I feel like somebody is going to call me out. I feel like I'm not as in comparisons, right? Allowing those, allowing ourselves to fall into that comparison trap. Look at her. Look at him. Look at them. Listen to what they know. Look at how confident they are. I'm not like that. So we compare ourselves to others as well. And we, you know, instead of, instead of pausing, gently taking ourselves out of the comparison trap, we just allow ourselves to fall further and further into it. We feed this story as well. We feed this narrative of I'm not good enough. I'm a fraud. I don't belong here. Because we come up with, with, with everything, with all the, all the, the truths around the story and honestly Brittany like the closer that I got to putting my book out as well gosh my imposter was thriving absolutely thriving and here's where I need to I'll I'll pause that bit for a second and just say in full transparency just because I'm a you know I work with people in this area in this field do not for one second think that my imposter never shows up at all because she does and she's alive and well but I've learned to manage her a whole lot better now so the closer I got to putting my book out, the louder that voice speaks in my head. You say, who do you think you are to put this book out and think that it's going to be amazing? You know, you're not one of these New York Times bestsellers. You're literally, you are a small town girl from Ireland. That's what you are. Ouch, it hurts, doesn't it? The way we speak to ourselves. I know. What's coming up for me that's so interesting is that this work that you do with imposter syndrome specifically Mm -hmm. is with executives in the workplace. But the translation for me is coming over in the parallels that the listeners of this show often feel that they're imposters, right? We don't belong in our families. We're second place in our home. We're runner up in our home. We'll never be as good as X, Y, Z. We watch people on Instagram and their perfectly curated feeds and their perfect families. And we think, you know, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. 
And so it's yeah. so interesting the way that that these beliefs about ourselves and these identities that we've created aren't just specific to one area of our lives. No, they never are. And you know, Brittany, so even though I'll say I, I work with, that's how I market myself, right? Whereas the reality of the situation is that I work with so many different people come to me from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds and everything else, because they feel that they don't belong in a particular context or even across a number of different contexts in their life, personally, professionally, just like you described, even in, in a family situation. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's never just one. And these, like, these limiting beliefs just come along and you know it's they don't just hang out alone so they're all it's like this they, they've got like they mushroom right yeah sure sometimes it comes down to one or two really core beliefs like I believe that I'm not good enough I'm not worthy they, they they spawn off these other little beliefs like I need to be perfect I need to get it right in order to be successful I have to work hard and that means that I work all the hours that I have in the world and it, it, you know, so it's that it's having that confidence, it's having that self worth and seeing our value in whatever context it is relevant for us. It's all relative. Mm-hmm. How does this tie in with you know you've you've mentioned the word confidence a couple of times. Yeah. How does this you know these beliefs that we that we create about ourselves and our limiting beliefs that prevent us from getting where we want to be in our lives? How mm. does this tie in with say something like self esteem? Yeah, of course. So if that if we think of our beliefs as the foundation, like for everything else, are our beliefs as being the glue that that holds everything together for us? If that glue is made up of limiting beliefs, beliefs that don't serve us, beliefs that don't allow us to move forward confidently and successfully in the way that we want to. Everything else that we build upon it doesn't have stability. It doesn't have that solid structure. And so in order to have the confidence that we want, that foundation needs to be solid. And that foundation is made up of beliefs that serve us. I am worthy. I am enough. I can do this. Even those, you know, looking at them like like smaller pieces of this. So that anything else that we want to build on that foundation, relationships, work, um, a spiritual life, anything at all, if we have a solid foundation, the rest of it stands better. It doesn't mean that we don't get knocked down. Of course we do. But we then have, we have skills, we have tools, we have more resources to rebuild ourselves, to get back up when we do fall and so when we you know when we tell ourselves we have belief and self-esteem we know that we're worthy and we, we think positively about ourselves and we feel good about ourselves that translates into a healthy level of confidence mm-hmm. be in this room with other people who are going for this job I'm a part of this family it's not about being arrogant and thinking that we're better than everybody else at all. It's about having, it's about a healthy and an appropriate level of confidence for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I, it doesn't matter. It, the, the metaphor that's coming up for me is, is if you were planning to build a, a, a mansion, right? Yes. This big grandiose mansion. Castle. 
You wouldn't, a castle, you wouldn't want to build that on quicksand. It wouldn't matter how elaborate your plans were or how much you thought about it or how much you tried to troubleshoot or how much you tried to plan for every worst case scenario. If you're building that castle, that mansion on quicksand, right? If you don't have that foundation, then there's, there's no point. No. So it's, you know, what then, if we, if we go back, if we jump down, what is that foundation made up of? So it, yes, it's made up of beliefs. It's made up of particular thoughts that we have about ourselves. It's about managing, managing our minds, managing our expectations, things like taking ourselves out of the comparison trap, but that all starts with awareness. What are the beliefs that I pack in my bag that I carry around with me every single day? What are the thoughts that I allow to occupy my headspace? What are the what are the emotions that I allow to drive my actions? What are my behaviors? What are my daily habits? Are they conducive to creating greater confidence, or are, are they holding me back? And I like to like it's like um, one of those really thick, heavy resistance bands you find in the gym or something. No matter. You know, so wearing, wearing, or holding on to limiting or negative beliefs is like consistently having one of those around your waist. You can try and you can move, and you'll, you might get so far, but you continually get pulled back. You don't move forward in the way that you want to because of these beliefs. Mm-hmm. And how hard would that be? How hard would that be? Listen, tell me about it. <laughs> I lived with it for years. I, 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 I love what you said. I love your, your, your transparency and your authenticity about the fact that, you know, just because this is what I do for a living doesn't mean that I've like cracked the code, right? It just goes, (laughs) it just goes to show there is no there right? You never get there. There does not exist. There is not just this place you get to on a treasure map. And then all of a sudden, all of your self-criticizing beliefs and the imposter disappear forever. But you did say specifically that this imposter got really big and loud around the time Mm. that you released your book. So Mm. can you tell us a little bit more about your book? Yeah. I'd love to. Thank you. So my book is called Just Three Things. It's my second coaching book. I wrote a coaching book for teenagers four years ago. That was my first one. And even then, right, the the imposter was alive and well. But it was interesting because I managed, I seemed to manage it so much better with my first book because I felt so, I was really in that space of being an expert. I'd worked with young people for, for years. I knew these things. I, I knew coaching really well. But then with this book, you know, and, and I wrote this one because my friends all said to me when I put my first book out, they were like, oh, this is for teenagers. You know, Linda, when's, where, where, where's our book? And I was like, it's coming. It's on its way. Um, and so then Just Three Things is all about making change more manageable and easier. It's about keeping things simple because I know, you know, Brittany, I know what it's like to make big change. I know what it's like to to wear that thick resistance band around your waist and try and plow through quicksand as I'm wearing it as well. I know how difficult it can be. I know the importance of when we chunk these insurmountable problems down into smaller steps and smaller pieces, they become more, they just become doable. And that's what we want. We don't change 
we don't create the change that we want to see in ourselves because of the way the way we think about it, the way we talk about it. It plays a huge impact in all of this as well. You know, oh, I have this big change to make. You know, it's it's so oh, it's difficult, it's hard, it's challenging. And so again, it's not about living in la la land and thinking that change isn't going to be tough. But it's about being realistic about it. Okay, it's tough. Have I ever done something tough before? Yes. Have I ever overcome a challenge before? Yes. You know, how did I do that? What did I have at the time? What am I forgetting here? What do I need to remind myself of and remember? And just three things does that. So it takes a number of different challenges. These things that we face on a daily basis, like self-confidence, like managing thoughts, like reminding ourselves not to judge others, reminding ourselves of our own successes. The, the tougher challenges as well, those tougher curveballs, toxic relationships, managing stress, managing anxiety, making big decisions, things that really, you know, they, they can take our energy, they consume our headspace. So how do we do that? Leaning into those difficult conversations a bit more easily as well. Mm -hmm. I love that this, that, that this book offers sort of some universal strategies yeah. to help folks overcome challenges, obstacles, reach goals, et cetera. Yeah. Did you give an example of, of a big change? You know, you, you had mentioned that this book is, is specifically useful for folks mm. who want to make a big change in their lives mm. and breaks those big chunks, those big changes down into manageable, little mm. achievable goals that we can do. Right. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, what's the best way to eat an elephant? one bite at a time. So this sounds like it's like a one bite at a time sort of book, right? Here's how to break the elephant down into bites. Yes. So could you give an example of, of what is a big change that if someone was on the fence about making this big change, but didn't really know how to get started or this big change felt like it was Mount Everest and it would just never happen because it was just too overwhelming. What sorts of things can, can folks lean into this book to, to help them change? I love it. I always use myself as an example in this situation, Brittany. And so, you know, again, in full transparency. So I'm 40. I just turned 40 this year. And when I when I think of my my life as a, you know, a young 20 year old, my gosh, it was so different. I was when I was 21, I was diagnosed with anorexia, with anxiety disorder and with depression. And so I went through my, my own whole like you know, mental health journey. And part of it, and I, you know, I kept this talk about limiting beliefs and baggage. My gosh, I carried around so much of this stuff for years. But it got to the stage where I was so fed up with it, Brittany. I just met my husband. I met this great guy. You know, we, we started dating. It was fantastic. I was like, you know, I've got, I've got to sort my stuff out. It's time. Now, I wasn't, I wanted to do it for myself first. I loved the relationship that I was starting to create with Steve, but I knew this all had to start with me first. And so one of the things that I had to start doing was managing my mind, right? You know, so at the time, I'd, I'd, I'd seen a team of doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, nutritionists. And I remember sitting in front of my nutritionist one day. She had this whole list of things that she wanted me to change. And I was like, are you mad? And, and my, my brain just went, no, absolutely not. There are too many things. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I was like, where, where do I start? And she said, well, I've just given you a list. 
you've given me a, like a list of my long. And so I went home and I started to reflect on this and I'm like, right, okay, what's, what's the end goal? The end goal we say is to have more confidence, right? To have greater self-esteem. But it just seems so insurmountable at the time. So what do I do? Where do I start? And I'm like, first of all, I need to get clear on what that means for me, what it would look like for me. What do I want to be doing? What are the, you know, what does that really, really look and feel like? Then I started to chunk down. Okay, so this is my big goal that I want. What would I have to do first? Well, again, I'd have to have more self-confidence. But how do I even do that? So it comes back to that mind management, to managing my thoughts. And the first step that I started doing was, and I'm a, I'm a recovering perfectionist, Brittany, right? You know, I'm, so I was like, I want to do all of these things and do them really well and right now. But again, we put that pressure on ourselves and we put that pressure on ourselves. It's like, I'm getting nowhere. I'm overwhelmed. So breaking it down, right? What are the thoughts? What are the most popular thoughts that I have that hold me back? What are, the, what are the limiting beliefs? I need to recognize those. So I started to catch, challenge, and change those most popular negative thoughts that I had. Those were the first few things that I started doing. Once I had awareness of the thoughts that I was allowing to sit in my headspace, I could do something with them. Then that was challenging them. What's real about this? We are, where, am I, where am I not being realistic? Oh, you know, look at me, I'm so fat. Oh, hang on a second. Really? What would somebody else say? Like, where's, where's the science even behind it? Where, where are the facts behind that? Oh, well, I feel fat. Feelings aren't facts. Okay. Then I changed that thought. What's something more constructive to, to think about how I look? Start step by step. And even if it's something, and honestly, this is where I started. And it, it makes me emotional to think about it because I know where I am in my journey now but I had to start with something like I like my eyebrows or not even that like I like one eyebrow <laughs> this eyebrow I don't know what it's doing today but this one I like I like the good eyebrow today I like the good eyebrow too right okay <laughs> we all have a good eyebrow one do. good That's eyebrow right even if it's just one there's always something beautiful and positive about ourselves and we need to recognize that. And then we build on that. So it really is bringing it down to the smallest, simplest step for yourself and starting there. And that's why I started. And every day, and not every day was easy, but I did that every day. I started my gratitude practice every day. I started developing a better relationship with food. Instead of seeing food as something that was bad or I was bad for eating it. It was like, right, this fuels me because I want to make all these changes. I got to take them step by step. And even that, you know, when I caught myself racing ahead, putting that pressure on myself, oh, you should be further along in your journey by now. It's like, no, this is where I am. Okay, so it's, there's a lot of reflection then in this process as well. Taking it step by step, what's working, what's not working very well. And I love the... I love the, the concept of, here's another part of just three things, right? Instead of this huge insurmountable change and I have to change 10 million things, let's start with three. And let's break those down even smaller to 
what's one thing I can stop doing? Because that's not conducive or helpful to what I want to achieve. What's something that I can start doing? Just one thing. And what's something that I can continue doing? That's quite helpful. So stop starting. Those are the three things. Ah, you see? So there is really just three. (laughs) There is just three. Oh, there they are. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I really, you know, this is really, uh, this is a really beautiful conversation to have for so many reasons, but I think that, you know, it's, it's the fact that a point along your own journey, you had to boil this down to one eyebrow, right? And, and it's easy to, again, we go into these, this comparison and these limiting beliefs that we have about, I should be further along in my life, or I'm not doing enough, or I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And we know that one day we want to have that house or, or have that job or have that dollar number in the bank account or whatever that looks like. And so you know, from my, from my own experience and from the ex- experiences of folks that I've, that I've worked with clients that I've worked with yeah. this big, these big achievements, these big accomplishments that we set our sights on, like you said, there's too, there's too many things going on. It's too broad mm. of a goal. It's too gigantic mm. of a goal. Mm. And so to think, you know, to think through this phase, this really tangible example that you gave this journey that you've taken from being the person who had to focus on one eyebrow yeah. <laughs> of a good thing to now being the published author of two books and all of the yeah. other amazing accomplishments that you have put to strung together throughout your life. It really goes to show, you know, it doesn't have to be these gigantic fireworks no. displays, these gigantic goals because if there's one thing that I know, it's that the brain tries really hard to keep you safe and the brain keeps you safe by not allowing you to change. So the yeah. smaller the goal, the more likely that you are to meet it and string all those little goals together. Eventually you get out of the men that we like to eyebrows. <laughs> I like both of my eyebrows today. I'm having a great day. This is a milestone like in my journey. <laughs> I love it, right? But it's because I I don't forget these things. And people can be, it's fascinating, Brittany, right? People, when we meet people in a particular part of our journey, when I meet people now, they often make the assumption, this is how I've always been. I've always been, you know, bubbly and confident and, you know, gregarious or whatever. And it's like, whoa, 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 not at all. We all have a story. We all have a chapter in that story that we don't want to read aloud, maybe even to ourselves again. So just, you know, and recognizing how far you've come in your own story as well. So important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amazing. If folks wanted to get started on this, right? Yeah. You you have this narrowed down to your three things. What is what is kind of the first place that you advise people to start making changes in their life? What kind of domain of life is your start here and the rest will come sort yeah. of place? Love this. So start 
start wherever you, you, you're comfortable. Okay. I love the exercise. I love the coaching exercise, wheel of life, a balance wheel, whatever you want to call it. Look at different areas of your life. Okay. Non-judgmentally, do your best to park judgment and drive a bit of curiosity or cycle off on the curiosity bike for a while, right? And, and just get curious about where is it that I, if I made even a small change in that area, something else would happen in the other areas of my life. So start with one piece. When you've got that one piece, I cannot, I cannot emphasize how important it is to get super clear on what it is that you want. And I'll give a quick example, Brittany, if that's okay. Please. So a client says to me, well, I want a relationship. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, you know, and I'm like, I don't. In my head, I have an idea of what they want. Of course I do. I've been working with them for, you know, for some time. But it's got to be really clear. I said, you know, so what kind of a relationship? You and I have a relationship. Is that what you want? Oh, God, no. So what is it then? So getting super, super clear on what it is that you want. What are you working towards? Because again, when it comes to creating change, three things. We have to know what it is that we want instead of what we have right now. We have to, we have to actually want it. If you don't want to create the change, no amount of coaching is going to help. So be honest with yourself. Is this something that I really, really want? And the third thing is the how. How do I get from where I am today to that person that I want to be or that thing that, that I want to have? And this is where a lot of us get stuck. We don't know the how. So we get overwhelmed because we think it's right. It's just one big highway and we have to go super fast. It's not. So you recognize what it is that you want. Just think, right, keep asking yourself the question of what would I have to do first? What would I have to do first? What would I have to do before that? What would I have to do before that? And every time you ask yourself that question, be really aware of the answer that your brain is giving you. Because like you said, Brittany, right, your brain is designed to keep you safe. So is your brain saying yes to that change or is it going, no, too much, not doing that? And your brain will eventually, when you give it something where it's like, oh, what would I have to do first? Well, I'd have to recognize just one thing that I like about myself. My brain went tick and oh, I'll start there. And you, you get down to that small, simplest step, that one change that you can start with right here right now and that's your starting point mm, I love that um and and I, I I really want to point out this distinction you know so many of us know where it is that we don't want to go we know what we don't want our lives we want yes. our lives not to look like I don't want yeah. to feel this way I don't want to look this way I don't want to have this sort of relationship I don't want I don't want I don't want yeah. and 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 it might sound like it's the same but it's not to identify, you know, specifically what is it that I do want from my life? What is this big change that I do want? And reframing this and training our yes. mind to see things in the what do I want rather than what do I not want is one of the biggest changes in my mind that people can make to help them move toward to make sure that you don't have this thing that you don't want. Right. We just can't look there or we're going to get more of it. We find what we're looking for. Right. Oh, I don't want to be with that guy. I don't want to be with that person or with that girl or whatever. I don't want that type of person in my life. Oh, well, look, here are more of them because that's what I'm looking out for. And there's a huge difference, Brittany. You know, our language is so powerful. I'm a, you know, a master NLP coach and practitioner. And that connection between what we allow to go on up here in our heads 
to the language that we use, verbal or nonverbal, and that all affects our habits and behaviors. Mm-hmm. All of it. Get clear on what it is that you do want. Your brain doesn't recognize the word don't. So for those of you who have, for, for, as a, you know, as a, a stepmom, as a wonderful expert in this field, and you're, how many of us will, will tell kids, and I don't know, have kids, but I taught young people for years, right? You know, don't do this and don't do that. And their brains go, that's what I'll do. Don't slam the door. Don't be late with your homework. Oh, miss, here's my homework a week late. So get really clear about what it is that you want. Get really clear about what it is that you want from, from other people in your life as well. Even if it's just something as simple as close the door quietly. Mm. Get clear. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the same thing, but it's not. Don't slam the door versus close the door quietly. Totally uh, different. different. Don't think of the pink elephant. Don't think of the pink elephant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned a word that I want to pull on super quickly. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the word habits. Yes. And so, you know, for for me and probably everybody listening to the show and probably for yourself, mm. there has probably been a point in your life, my life, our lives, where we have decided, you know, I'm going to start this habit. <laughs> yeah. And we make it three damn days and then we don't want to do it anymore. So do you have any, any words of wisdom or words of encouragement or strategies or tools or something that can help folks, you know, because we, we all start out these, these journeys with the best of intentions, but those darn little habits, those darn little (laughs) habits will get us every time. So offer, please offer your wisdom on how we can make habits stick. Yes. Yes. Um, And I'm laughing because I think of myself when I decided that I wanted to stop smoking years ago. (laughs) And if if we think about that, right, I never met anybody who said giving up smoking was easy. So planted in my head from day one, as soon as I said, I want to stop smoking, was that thought or that picture of it's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging. Okay, so step one, how are you thinking about this habit? Right. Is it, you know, how do you think about it? How do you talk about it? So, again, you get clear about what it is that you don't want. But what what is it that you do want? Well, I want to be a non-smoker. What does that look like? Okay, so now I have this idea. I'm getting clear about what I want instead. Recognize the triggers. Okay. again, get very clear. We all operate on patterns, patterns of language, patterns of thought or patterns of behavior. So. Before I start into that habit loop, what has to be present first? And for me, right, it's, it was a, something as simple as I would come home after a full day of teaching and I would sit down in my living room and I would have a cigarette and that would be it then for the rest of the evening. Okay, and I told myself as I came in the door, I've had a hard day, you know, so to relax, I'll have a cigarette. So hear that story. So what has to be there for you to start into the habit? What's the story or the narrative that you tell yourself? Catch those things, even start with that and create a smallest little change around the trigger. So what I did was, as I came in the door, I started leaving my trainers right at the door, literally stripped off inside my door, put like some 
I wasn't a runner at the time, but I put like, you know, a kind of gym gear, whatever on. And I left and I went for a walk. Now, that didn't mean that I didn't smoke at all that day. But it did mean that I had less. I was smoking less. I was starting less in the evening. And so it was gradual. You've got to recognize what's there. What is it that starts this habit? What's the story I tell myself about or what's the language that I'm using? And what's just one thing that I can do differently to break that cycle or start to break that pattern? Awareness, awareness, awareness. Mm -hmm. Then action. Mm -hmm. And and it's important too to see that even if you, you know, came home, had your shoes right in the door, put them on the second that you went through the door and delayed that time between mm-hmm. getting through the front door uh, and mm-hmm. and having that cigarette, that is still a step in the right direction. That is still a yeah. win. That is still something that is worth celebrating and worth acknowledging and worth recognizing rather than beating ourselves up for like, oh, I haven't done this thing yet. If there's any if there's any change in the right direction, focusing should be, I hate to use the word should, but on that accomplishment rather than where we're not yet. So I love that. You know, it starts off again. It's just like these little tiny, simple changes that all add up and create huge monumental growth over time. Yeah. And so again, it's just like what you said as well, recognizing your progress if there's one thing that you stop doing after this, stop chasing perfection in any part of your life at all. And look at the progress that you have made and that you're making. Because your brain loves a little reward as well. Right? So if you keep criticizing yourself and criticizing your brain, oh, I didn't do it perfect today. Well, that's moving. It's moving away. Right? You're staying stuck in those old habits of thinking or a language around it. So give your brain a little reward. It's like, woo, you know, I... Look at that. I did so well. So it gives it like that little dopamine hit as well. You know, we, we set out, even if it's something as simple as, well, we set out to go for a walk right after work and we did that. Great. Yes, I smoked afterwards as well. So again, it's not about living in la-la land. It's being realistic. I'm one step closer than where I was yesterday. And that's huge. And that's, yeah, because you put all those little steps together and all of a sudden you've gone a mile. Amazing. Yeah. Linda, if folks wanted to grab a copy of your book or get a hold of it, where can they do that? Thank you so much, Brittany. So Just Three Things is on Amazon. It's on, it's available on other fantastic book online, online bookstores, book online stores, <laughs> online bookstores as well. So please feel free to grab yourself and grab some other people a copy of my book as well because it makes a fantastic gift and it's around the time of year we're all we're all talking about change and dare I say it news resolutions and and everything else make change easy for yourself make it manageable make it more simple and doable and you can do that by getting a copy of the book let that be your first step as well Mm, just three things by Linda Bonner yeah. Magnificent. And if <laughs> folks wanted to connect with you, stalk you on social, where do you hang out yes. most? Where can we, where can we link up with you? I love that. Stalk me everywhere. Uh, my website is lindabonner.com. I'm on Instagram at Linda Bonner Life Coaching. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. It's it's all it's all the same. I'm I'm Linda Bonner. 
you're everywhere. <laughs> Linda Bonner is everywhere. Look for Linda Bonner. Reach out. Say hi. Let her know what you thought of the interview Please and do. grab a copy of Just Three Things. Thank you so much, Linda, for being here today. It's been amazing talking to you. Oh, Brittany, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. I wanted to let you know about a special online mini training that I'm offering for free for a limited time. It's called Peace, Love, Stepmom. And not to toot my own horn, but beep, beep, it's pretty freaking awesome. Peace, Love, Stepmom will give you the exact steps to take in order to create more harmony in your stepfamily without feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or bite your tongue or ignore your own needs just to keep the peace. Because if you are listening to this, then chances are pretty good that you know there's a big difference between not fighting and actually feeling peaceful. To enroll in Peace Love Stepmom and get immediate access to this incredible online course, head to peacelovestepmom.com and sign up. It's totally free. You don't want to miss it. So go to peacelovestepmom.com to enroll and get immediate access. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. For more behind-the-scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at the step queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM. Tag me in your posts. Tag me in your stories. Let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better and Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend. <laughs>